Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 66 of the DC Primetime Podcast from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, also on the Next Level Network, I am Rob Martin. And we got a relatively short podcast for you this week. I know we say that a lot. We mean it this week. Um, short for us, not short for you. Uh, you guys are still going to get a short, uh, a fuller podcast. Uh, this week, no shows to talk about since everything is on break. We are still in the middle of, uh, getting ready and preparing for our Supergirl annual, which will be next week, uh, on next week's podcast. So this week, we're going to bring you the news stories first, and then we're going to bring you some audio from the, my time at Harrisburg Comic Con a couple weeks ago. Uh, two panels I, out of the seven that I did. Two of them are more specifically that fit very well in with uh, with the podcast that we do. One of them, of course, being with David Ramsey, who you know as Diggle from Arrow, which we'll do at a later date. We'll play the audio for that one at a later date, which was awesome because David Ramsey is just incredibly nice uh, and welcoming. But this week, we're going to play the audio for you of the panel I had the honor of hosting with Matt Letcher and Michelle Harrison from Legends of Tomorrow, Eobard Thawne from Legends of Tomorrow, and Nora Allen from The Flash. Um, you'll also, if, I think I've said this before too, but, uh, this was Matt's first ever panel. Uh, so you get the honor of, uh, hearing that as well as I had the honor of moderating it. Very cool. So, yeah. Um, so relatively short on our end, we're going to take, um, you know, it sucks that we didn't plan this for next week because next week's 4th of July weekend. We could have yeah, just like, yeah. relaxed. Um, instead, we get the party at your house on Saturday and then <laughs> wake up to record on Sunday, which kind of sucks. Or if people leave early, I'm like, all right, let's just like, jump in my room and just record real fast. Yeah. But then that's... it's, well, no, it's an annual. We can't. Damn it. <laughs> so eh, we'll figure it out. <clears throat> Indeed. Uh, uh, maybe maybe we'll just record one day late and record maybe, on Monday because yeah. we we'll be record. off of work. Or we'll just record late on Sunday night when we can you be like, might ah, be off whatever. of work. I'm not off of work. Ah, well. I'm off of work Monday Monday night into Tuesday because I'm off on Tuesday. But well, um, my job we'll figure in, it out in that nice. <laughs> um, no, my job is awesome, so I can't really say that. Uh, so yeah, so let's just jump right into it, and <laughs> it's early enough. Uh, Rob, we'll send it over to you for some of the news for this week. Okay, cool. Well, like I said, there's not a ton this week. It's a lot of small stories, but there's a couple notable ones here to, that we mentioned. But we're going to get the late stuff out of the way, and this is a lot of talk that's coming out of Warner Brothers. Uh, specifically, one of the first stories we wanted to talk about this week was uh, the film boss for uh, you know the DC films. It did kind of come out and speak a little bit more as far as uh, the lessons that have been learned from Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad. Um, so this is a discussion between you know Jeff Johns and John Berg. 
Uh, and this is uh, a quote from John Berg. I'll just read you his his quick thoughts and then add John's little retort at the end. Uh, there's definitely lessons from every movie. You would be silly not to analyze how a movie was received, what went right, what went wrong, or in the making of a film. When Suicide Squad, the movie did incredibly well commercially. It did not work narratively. Uh, we had some great casting and great characterizations, but where the story fell down was on the narrative and purely on plot. We could uh, we could absolutely do better. Uh, and then Batman versus Superman was just totally incredibly dark, and people really didn't respond to that. Um, and then he kind of went on to say a little bit more in some additional notes uh, that Superman is a character that should never have that tone where it works with Batman, having the two of them both feeling like these dark characters consistently throughout the film really does not make these characters or treat, uh, you know, treats these characters with the respect that they, they absolutely deserve. Thank um, you. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, but that's great to hear that John Berg definitely coming out and saying that because him and Jeff Johns now are, are the ones in charge of things. And we really got to see them step up with wonder woman. Uh, apparently, uh, Johns was very heavily involved in wonder woman. Uh, even though a lot of us didn't realize it, but he went on and said, I was actually there through the majority of, of production and John Burke came in midway through. So, uh, they said they're in, apparently, I guess that was one of, there was a lot of heavy impact, but John's goes on to say in this article too, uh, Wonder Woman, uh, celebrated exactly who the character is, but looking at it, it's not like we should change everything to be about hope and optimism. There's nothing to change. That's what these characters already are. It's just making sure we're doing, making sure we do that from the start. So it's again, it's him going on what Jeff Johns does best is this kind of saying, and again, just reiterating that point. We don't have to change things; these characters already have these things. Let's just do them right the first time and get it done right, done with. So, very happy to see the fact that these guys are the ones steering the ship. Um, but going on a little bit more uh, in a separate article uh, and a different interview, this time with Variety, John Berg and Jeff Johns talked a little bit more about you know Wonder Woman's success. But also talked a little bit more about um, Joss Whedon's current role in the mix with everything, uh, and then more specifically Wonder Woman's impact on Justice League. And with Joss being there, is that going to change anything? And then you know the exact thought process is this: her role is not going to change. She was already going to be playing a very massive role in this film. People responded to Gal and BVS in such a major way. We knew we had something special then and there. So when uh, Justice League was being written, that was already thought of. It it had nothing to do with her movie and the response to that. All of her stuff was already really well shot. They already knew exactly what they were doing with her character. So they said Joss is not really adding anything to that. The reshoots are more sequence transitioning. And they said that film will actually still really resonate with the way that Wonder Woman connected. And Joss is just making sure that those transitions work even nicer than they already were. And cleaning up some back end stuff. So pretty much what me and Ben have been saying from the start. Yeah. Don't expect these tonal shifts. It's again, pickup shooting, uh, maybe some action scenes that need to be shot from new angles, some dialogue that didn't work need to be changed, maybe some editing that moves some plot points around and just working with that. Same as every other film. And they reiterate again the reason that the reshoots are five months long purely has to do with the fact that a lot of these actors right now are all working on different projects. So it's working purely with the fact that all of them are kind of scattered to the winds right now. And it's how they just needed this longer period of time to be able to get everybody back on track, to be able to shoot certain sequences that need to be reshot. So, uh, but as far as uh, what their discussion of with Batgirl and then they're, they're kind of geeking out in enthusiasm for Joss's. He's already a big part of everything we're doing here. We absolutely love him. He's a great partner collaborator and we want him to be uh, ensconded. We, uh, 
bring people by and have general meetings to talk about comics and their favorite superhero movies. But Joss, when he saw the master board of what DC was planning for the future, he saw ba- a Batgirl title and said, wait, you guys seriously want to do Batgirl? And he was like, they just responded, absolutely. His quick retort was, that's my jam. <laughs> so that is actually what apparently landed him that role. <laughs> Was just a simple quote. That's my jam. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if that movie's good, that will probably be our review. And, and that that's so- my jam, and yeah. that's how we'll end it. And that sounds <laughs> like him too, which is great. Yeah. Uh, jumping now a little bit more into the future, uh, and as far as what uh, Warner Brothers' output will be for DC Films, uh, there was this that was just finally brought up, and this was Umberto Gonzalez, who uh, this was a, a article according to him, and he's a writer for the Rap. And as talking with some of the people inside Warner Brothers, he did say this. A lot of people have been asking, what's the next movie for 2018? He's like, I know for a fact that DC is trying to get three to four movies made a year going forward. Uh, what those movies are going to be unclear, oh, will be is unclear. But it seems Comic-Con is going to bring some really big surprises and said, if I were you, from what I know, I'd make sure to be inside Hall H this summer. Uh, so... Sounds like we're going to get some major, major things uh, in just a couple months. So be ready, folks. Uh, jumping over into some quick other movie news, uh, talking about Aquaman real quick. Uh, and the actor from a TV show that I absolutely adore, which is The 100, uh, Michael Beach, who played uh, Captain Pike, will be uh, joining the fray in Aquaman. We don't know his role quite yet. Uh, but from what it sounds like, there's a high chance that he's uh, part of a uh, group of high seas uh, hijackers that have somewhat of a weird and twisted uh, interaction with Aquaman at some point. And aside from that, there was a great shot, too, showing Dolph Lundgren getting uh, getting prepped for shooting one of his underwater sequences as he's playing the character King Nereus. Wait, so. wait, wait. H- how did I miss that? Dolph oh, yeah, Lundgren no. is in Aquaman? Yeah, we, we talked about it several months ago, but again, it was probably one of those stories that kind of got buried. But Yeah, yes, we, I don't we, remember that at all. We do know he is, in fact, in that and is playing King Nereus. From so. Arrow to Aquaman. Indeed. Dolph Lundgren is king whoever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the stories that everybody's been talking about that has nothing to do with the DC uh, DC movie slate, uh, apparently that's going to be changing potentially. So everybody's been talking very heavily this past week that uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller have been let go from uh, the Han Solo film. Uh, apparently, Yes, they have been fired. Um <laughs> Very much so being fired. And it was apparently because of a lot of improvisations that have been happening on set. Um, the fact that they've been, there's a little bit more focus on humor and it was just not meeting what Lawrence Kasdan and Kathleen Kennedy wanted for Star Wars, which absolutely understandable. I know Lawrence Kasdan very specifically, everybody loves his writing and, uh, they apparently were moving outside of his, uh, his material quite heavily. Um, which is not done usually for something like Star Wars and can easily change the tone of a film. Uh, but about three-fourths of that film were shot before they were let go. But what is very interesting is during that time when the film was indeed on hiatus before they continued shooting and before they were let go, apparently the two have already been discussing things with Warner Brothers about taking over directorial daily you know, duties on The Flash, uh, which is not a big surprise in all honesty because these two are the ones that pen the script. So uh, very curious to see what's going to happen. I know right now Robert Zemeckis is still a, a front runner for, for this, but I would not be surprised to see director, uh, you know, duties heading over to Lord Miller. So I think that still would be a great option. For it would them. be a great option, but I'm still excited for the, for the, the possibility of Zemeckis. I really am. I- 
I have a feeling more than anything else, I have a feeling we're going to see Lord Miller uh, take this role. I would love to see Zemeckis too, but I, I have a feeling with those talks happening, that's going to happen. Yeah, well, then um, I'm done with the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I know you're not. So, uh, but again, God, it'd be amazing to see Zemeckis do a, a DC film. God, any I don't care which one it is. I mean, I mean, do well. I do care which one it would be because there, there's certain ones that would fit him better. And I think Flash is right in that wheelhouse. I think that's one of those characters that's just so lighthearted and fun that Zemeckis could work wonders with it. Uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm I'm excited about the possibility. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'll still give the movie a chance. Absolutely. Uh, so let's jump over to some TV talk before we get out of here. Um, so one of the ones we got to bring up is we got a little shot that Mark Guggenheim put up on Twitter just a couple days ago. That production art has started to come in for Arrow Season 6. And this was a, a post he put up on June 23rd, so just a few days ago. Uh, but when that did happen, what we saw was a shot of what appears to be the Black Canary costume in its own special casing. Kind of a memorial tribute inside the uh, Arrow Cave. So, um, like I said, we know now, obviously, we're going to be seeing that. Uh, and that means uh, nobody knows what the hell Katie Cassie is going to be doing as a season regular next season yet. So it's a big wait and see. But uh, very curious to see how this plays out. So uh, jumping over, though, into non-normal Warner Brothers Arrowverse talk, uh, we need to talk a little bit about Damon Lindelof. And that specifically is his Watchmen TV series, which is in the works at HBO. Zack Snyder has zero involvement, as originally reported. But uh, obviously, Damon Lindelof is definitely working in full on uh, everything right now with HBO as uh, The Leftovers uh, is, uh, you know, as he's now, I think, left of The Leftovers, I believe. That's correct. Well, Leftovers is over. Oh, it is. It wrapped up this. It just wrapped up a couple weeks ago. Okay, okay. So I wasn't sure where that stood. But uh, there is some rumblings that we might see some stuff from the Beyond Watchmen comic book that was out there uh, being maybe mixed into this. But uh, I'm very excited to see what a HBO version of Watchmen looks like. So I, I am too. I don't know if I like the idea of Lindelof, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Damon Lindelof. I was a huge fan of Lost. Leftovers was a good show. Um, but he does weird things with television. And, like, he puts a lot of twists on things. He leaves a lot of que- makes a lot of questions appear. He leaves a lot of unanswered que- unanswered things. I don't know if that fits Watchmen very well. So, I, I, don't get me wrong. I like Lindelof. He's very talented uh, writer, producer, director. So, I, I'd be interested to see. But I don't know if Watchmen is the best fit for Damon Lindelof. Uh, I think it's a good fit for HBO. Because I think one of the key things... I agree right with that. Is- while this is going to happen, my guess is this is going to be a one-and-done season. Um, we'll get our full retelling. I can't imagine that they would stretch beyond that too much. Uh, my guess is, again, one season to go through the entirety of the graphic novel, filling in some gaps. Maybe they'll do some Tales of the Black Freighter stuff, which would be really cool. I would love to see that kind of fit into the mix a little bit. Um, but I think it would. this is a really interesting take, and I think it's a, a smart move right now because they do have to fill that gap that Westworld is is leaving because we won't be see, seeing Westworld, I think, until late, late 2018, correct? I think so. Uh, yeah, I know it's 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 postponed a little bit, but um, I I look at this as I look at this as in a completely different way. I look in this I look at this as, hey, Damon, you did great with leftovers. Um, we want to continue to work with you. We don't really have any projects, but uh, hey, we have this and. It's Watchmen. Yeah. You know, and this is their way of keeping Damon Lindelof connected to HBO and at the same time getting this Watchmen show produced. Right, right. 
and I mean, like we we have been talking about this, like in the in the past as well. When we knew Lindelof and you know Zack Snyder were working on this originally together, but obviously with Zack now kind of breaking away from stuff, um, focusing fo- uh, focusing on his family. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm not I'm, surprised I'm, to see. Yeah, the, the stuff with his family aside, I'm more on board with Lindelof taking this solo than I am with him and Snyder working on it together. I mean, like, there's no real reason for Snyder to do it. He's already done uh, the Watchmen, you know. Yeah. So it's it's nice to see that, you know, I'm sure that they, they planned some stuff in the beginning and Snyder probably told him these are the things I wish we could have done. Uh, now the ball's in your court. Good luck. So uh, the la- like the second to last story for the week, and this one's actually the interesting one, is uh, one that we get to see some of the casting calls for Titans. Uh, so we did get the full breakdown for the first four characters in the mix. So I'll read them off real quick. Bear in mind, uh, the actual character names are replaced with... Um, just uh, kind of like, you know, not even pseudonyms right now, but just placeholders so people don't know exactly who they're reading for. But obviously, when I read these out, everybody knows will exactly be who we're discussing, so I'm just going to say who they are. Uh, obviously, the first one here is Dick Grayson, and it says, for the read, is a male, late 20s to 30s, Caucasian, equal parts charm and impenetrability. John is a cop. John is the name that they have in here, so if I say John... You know, I'm talking Dick Grayson. Uh, so Dick is a cop. He has a nice smile, tired eyes, and a cool, distant manner. However, when provoked, his eyes are so lethal they drain a man of every last bit of spleen. Uh, Dick is haunted by the murder of his family. Unbeknownst to those around him, he is also a vigilante. In the shadows, he fights with the commitment and conviction of an artist, the brutal, brutal grace of a dancer. Mentally and physically, he is covered in a map of scars. And though he fights to escape his past, he's, uh, he is often fighting a losing battle. This is the series lead. So obviously we're definitely talking about Dick Grayson in that. There's no question about that one bit. Uh, the next one in this, uh, they're saying the character's name is Sarah, which I'm pretty damn sure this is. They're talking about Raven, female, mid-teens, open ethnicity, trouble, uh, troubled, bullied, and often uh, scared by, unwi- uh, uh, sorry, often uh, scarred but unwilling to show it. Sarah is a loner and more comfortable hiding in her hoodie than making friends, haunted by a dark force inside her. Obviously, not Sarah, but Raven experiences violent episodes that she can't understand or control. She's plagued by recurring nightmares that leads her across the country in search of help. Series regular. No shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next one, Casey, quote-unquote. Obviously, this one is Coriander, a.k.a. Starfire. Females, 20s, open ethnicity. Starfire is this tall, stunning woman. Her beauty is so magnificent, it's almost inhuman. Cough, cough. <clears throat> Sorry. Elegant, mm-hmm. refined, and mysterious. She is one of uh, she is on the hunt to discover who is trying to kill her and why. Um, sister, quote unquote. Sorry. Um, and those uh, who are after her are in for a surprise because she's more deadly than anyone they've ever encountered. Series regular. This is where things change up a little bit. This one, the character they have in name for the read is Jax. Obviously, I'm pretty damn sure this is a good old beast boy. Male, mid to late teens, open ethnicity, ethnicity, Asian preferred, funny and charming. This amateur thief's uh, humor hides his insecurities and past pain. Not the toughest kid on the streets. He's learned to survive in the world with his... uh, Wit and quick thinking series regular. So, uh, so that is our reads. I'm sure by uh, San Diego Comic Con, we will probably have our casting for uh, these four characters. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Me too. But last but not least, uh, this week uh, I gotta give you know a happy cheer because two people that deserve it are getting finally getting stars on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. That being Linda Carter and Mark Hamill. So congrats to the two of them for. Uh, getting their stars which are long overdue so agreed 
And uh, that wraps up the news for us this week. Um, so recommendations, and uh, I'll give a little reminder about uh, uh, something that we talked about last week, and let's uh, let's boot them over to the interview. Uh, my recommendation for this week is not DC related, uh, just because I am so stoked about this. Um, first off, I'm, I'm, I go to a lot of advanced screenings. Rob and I, you went, you and I went to go see Wonder Woman not too long ago. Uh, we got to go to the advanced screening of that. And this coming week, I actually have a screening, uh, Wednesday night. I'm going to see Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, no guests allowed. It's just me. Otherwise I would have invited other people to go. However, last week, uh, I had an opportunity to see a movie that opens this week. It actually opens on Wednesday night. Um, I got, I had the opportunity to go see Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. Um, no joke, dude. Best movie of the fucking year. I, I, I'm writing my review of it later on tonight. It's getting a 10 out of 10. Nice. Um, it, it, I, I, I'm very excited. It, I, it, Edgar Wright just has such a way with films. I have, I mean, you see the trailers and you think it's like, like, it's a lot of like mobster, like gang and, you know, crazy driving and stuff like that, which is exactly what it is. But Edgar Wright has such a way of putting such a spin on films that it makes it completely original, even when it has ties to other films. And like the driving, yeah, the driving is insane. It's crazy. The cast is amazing. John Hamm in particular is such a fucking standout in this movie. He is such a charismatic dick. That, like, you, you can't help but love him, but also cheer for what happens to him. Like, I, I don't want to give anything away. Um, but, like, the whole cast is phenomenal. This is another one of those movies like Guardians of the Galaxy where the soundtrack was put together first and the movie was built around it. Um, cause the music all, like, if you've seen Shaun of the Dead, and you know the particular scene where they're beating the zombies to the rhythm of Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. And like the strikes and everything are to the rhythm of the music. Picture that in an, an entire film. Oh, that's From, amazing. Like the gunshots are off to rhythms. Like the car crashes, like the, his walking, like everything is done to the rhythm of the soundtrack and it is phenomenal. So I am, I'm so excited. I've been like watching like the buzz on this grow for months. It's still at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's amazing. And well deserved. So my recommendation for this week, it's not DC related, but if you go see movies in the summer, it opens up Wednesday, June 28th. Go see Baby Driver. It is, I promise you, you will not be disappointed because I will most likely, my screening to Spider-Man is on Wednesday night. Otherwise, I would be going to see Baby Driver again Wednesday night. Very awesome. I think I'm just going to share your recommendation because uh, I think <laughs> I think uh, I actually took off this Wednesday for some stuff going on, and uh, I might try to find time to sneak out and go watch it. So it, it, it's so good. Awesome. Uh, well, for me, obviously, like I said, just you know, between you know Ben's recommendation, but I would definitely say as well. Uh, I, I'm going to throw my little ad thing in because I haven't gotten a chance to actually record it yet, but uh, I actually need to do that tonight before tomorrow night. So, uh, but just a reminder, everybody, to make sure you also head over to uh, boardgamebento.com. You can get to check out our friends over there. And uh, like I said, save a couple bucks off of your subscription. It's a monthly loot box that you're getting that's full of board games. I just got a, a review of last month's in. I still have to shoot a little video. Nice little mix of games, stuff I've actually never heard about, but they do a beautiful job sending you a nice little card in there that actually explains each game. It looks like every style game is a nice little mix of uh, a different style of style. So there is a nice full big box game in there. 
uh, another card-based game, and then something that's kind of a nice in-between. So it looks like there's a really kind of beautiful blend. Uh, there's, like I said, different plans you guys can look at, but remember, you can save 10 bucks off of your subscription by using the offer code NEXTLEVEL, all one word, at checkout. So. Yeah. And in addition to that, make sure you head over to our good friend, uh, George Shaw's page at georgeshawmusic.com, where you get to hear his tunes on this week's episode. Not again next week, though, because, again, some more fun tunes that you'll hear for the annuals. But yes. uh, make sure you support our friends over there. So, uh, Cheap plugs, and then we'll send it over to um, to the panel. Uh, you, of course, can check out the uh, the Next Level Podcast Network as a whole at nextlevelradioonline.com, uh, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And, of course, I can be heard on my other podcast uh, with my co-host Adam Gorey, the Next Level Showcast – or the Showcast Spotlight now uh, on the Next Level Podcast Network in which we interview a bunch of celebrities from all around the entertainment industry. Uh, not just celebrities, but just interesting people from around the entertainment industry and industry. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. So new podcasts coming to the network. We have, um, uh, one of them, <laughs> I'm going to be working on them this weekend, actually getting their RSS feeds up and getting them geared up to join the network in the next two weeks or so. Uh, one of them, I'm not sure the name of it yet. I still have to uh, cooperate it, but the other one is another pop culture, uh, podcast called Two Fat Dudes, which, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to. To hearing that these are two guys that we met out at Harrisburg Comic Con a couple weeks ago, and uh, we got to talking to them, and they're joining the network. So I think we'll be up to I think ten podcasts now on the network, oh. which is which <laughs> holy pretty, shit, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go um, for it. So for me, you can always also find me at my other show as well, which is a monthly show, uh, which is the Captain Crew Cast of Pods, which is the monthly geek culture uh, podcast. And we are recording a new episode tomorrow night, so that'll be up before the end of the week. Uh, I'm still working on some music discussions and thought processes for what I'm going to use for uh, our break, or it might just be the ad. I have no idea yet, but this month's episode is going to be celebrating the uh, the best female characters that are in geek culture and pop culture and really celebrating them, especially after a time where Wonder Woman has just dominated uh, the comic book uh, culture out there for, as far as films are concerned. But uh, there's so many characters we need to d- discuss, and I'm really looking forward to diving in. And we'll have a really great cast for this one, too. All of our female members that are on uh, this show will all be on for the first time together. Uh, which will be fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to getting their opinions and thoughts on uh, women and their their final rise that we're finally getting to see this nice, beautiful, hard push uh, for uh, some big changes in the industry. So really looking forward to talking about that episode. So that will be with you later this week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it too. So, uh, cool. So before we let you go, we are going to, I'll do another quick recap real quick. Um, following this, once we do the wrap up and we say our goodbyes, uh, stay tuned because you're going to hear the audio from one of the panels I did at Harrisburg Comic Con a couple weeks ago. I did, uh, I was a part of seven panels at Harrisburg Comic Con. One of them was one that Adam and I hosted where we did like a summer, uh, blockbuster. Uh, we talked about a bunch of the summer movies that were coming out, and it's taken me a little bit of time because uh, I had a lot of stuff going on in life. Uh, I just finally got video of all of the panels, all seven of them, up on our YouTube page uh, today. So they're all available to watch. Um, all of them will be on our events page on the Next Level uh, nextlevelradioonline.com. Uh, go to the events tab, and you can click on Harrisburg Comic Con 2017, and you'll see all the pictures, all the audio, and now all the video of all the panels. So if you want to see video of this panel after you listen to it, uh, you can go on 
and, and check it out, uh, as well as the other panels that may not be DC related, so you wouldn't hear them here, but, um, you get to hear them. You get, you can watch them on there. Uh, the one in particular I highly recommend to people if you go to the website and watch. Um, if you're familiar with Brett Dalton from Agents of Shield, Brett is no joke. One of the funniest guys I have ever met. Like one of the funniest celebrities I've ever met. Uh, our interview with Michelle Harrison, which I'll repost on the Facebook page was crashed by Brett Dalton and Matt Letcher. Um, and, uh, the panel with him and Max Hernandez, also from the world of Marvel, was one of the funnest panels I've ever moderated. I don't think I've ever laughed that much on a panel. Um, so I highly recommend going to the webpage and, and uh, checking out that panel. But I digress. Uh, this panel that you're going to hear is the panel that I got the chance to moderate with Michelle Harrison from The Flash, Nora Allen, and Matt Letcher, who plays Eobard Thawne, both from The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, this was Matt's first ever con, so this was his first ever panel, so it was a big honor for me to, um, to be able to, to moderate that and be the first person to ever be on stage and share the stage with him. Uh, and Michelle Harrison was an absolute sweetheart. She, uh, of course, uh, couldn't have been nicer. The two of them together have such great chemistry, uh, even though one of them killed the other on a television show. Uh, and I do make a joke about that on the panel, but it's about 40 minutes long, I think, um... So you'll be able to hear the entire panel uh, in full. And I look forward to hearing what you guys think about it after you guys get the chance to hear it. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we actually really got a short one in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. We, we've only been going for about like 25 minutes, I think. Perfect. Well, let's not uh, stretch it out any longer. So <laughs> yeah. Let's get under 30 before so, we have to go. So. Yeah. So uh, we'll wrap this up. We'll wrap up this part and then we'll send you over to the panel. So, of course, we thank you guys for being a part of the community. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, commenting, posting, liking, everything that you do online. Uh, be sure to share it more with your friends. We have more and more people each week that are becoming a part, larger part of the community and interacting with the community, which we love. Um, so uh, with that being said, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you guys next week for our Supergirl uh annual uh annual number two uh but until that time we'll see you guys around the bend take care peace there we go what's up guys how you guys enjoying the con so far good you guys ready for the next panel we're all flash fans i assume legends of tomorrow all right, well, then I won't waste any more time. Let me introduce my guests, Mr. Matt Letcher and Michelle Harrison. Welcome. Did anybody hear me? Check, check. We still have one mic that's not on. There we go. Hi, guys. Hello. Well, welcome to Harrisburg, both of you. I know this is not your first time to Harrisburg Comic Con. You were here last year, too. Last year was my first con ever, my whole life. And this year is Matt's. It's my first con ever. Ever. His first con. Yeah. It's been really, really fun. It's a good entry really point. Enjoy- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrific. And, and it's not every day you get to share the stage with the person who murdered you and framed your husband. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not. Multiple times. 
I'm still a little worried, actually, sitting. I might need to switch places. We can switch. I can bring it to you up. It's fine. If you're a little worried. I, I have to say, I love your shirt. That color. I, I did that, that on purpose. I did it on purpose, and I'll tell you why. Because as a Flash fan, I was always a bigger fan of Reverse Flash than I was of The Flash. Nothing against Grant, but Eobard is... That's how it should be. Yeah. I'm not even sure what to do right now. <laughs> Maybe it's good that you are sitting between us. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, this is actually, you know, this is your second time around. How many cons have you done in between last year and now? I think six or seven. We, we lost, like, yeah, six or seven. Yeah? Aaron's saying, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love this con. I love coming to Pennsylvania. I yeah. My family, there's, I have some relatives that were born here years and years ago, so there's a piece of me in Pennsylvania. Always nice to come back to, yeah. to family. So. Yeah. Uh, but this is kind of a cool moment for me, too, because this, in a way, kind of completes uh, two sets for me. I recently had, earlier had the opportunity to meet John Wesley Shipp, so I've already met Barry's father, now I'm meeting Barry's mother. And earlier on, uh, at the end of last year, I actually met um, Neil McDonough and John Barrowman, so I'm completing the Legion of Doom today, too. Hey. So this is, this is a pretty cool moment for me, too. So I suddenly feel so cheap. <laughs> I saved the I'm best just, for I'm last. Just another notch in your belt? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> but I, I saved the best for last. Oh, okay. It, oh, it, all right. you got me. That it, it's always the last piece of the set that's the most valuable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I want to start off by saying that I, as a Flash fan, I've started from the beginning, and I, I always love it when you two appear on the show, but for completely different reasons. Anytime Nora Allen uh, appears on The Flash, Flash is already a show that already has so much emotion built into it. But anytime Nora Allen appears on, this, on screen, there's always so much more emotion that comes along with Barry seeing his mother. Um, the, the Runaway Dinosaur is a prime example of that. It's still to this day one of my all-time favorite episodes of that show. And, and you know, not only from your performance, but excuse me, the direction of Kevin Smith at the same time. Um, Matt, I, I love it when you come on screen because, like I said, I'm a big fan of Reverse Flash, and you're just a badass. So, <laughs> well, I I love. Um, I, I spent this last season on Legends too, so I've had two very different experiences in the DC TV universe. Um, the shows tonally are just very different shows, even though I'm playing the same guy. But uh, that Barry Eobard relationship for me is easily the richest one and the most fun to play, and the ones that. Uh, that Andrew Kreisberg and the writers seem to really have uh, their claws into, you know? I mean, um, my favorite episode that I've done is probably uh, the reverse, <coughs> excuse me, the reverse Flash Returns in uh, season two, um, where uh, we had a lot of juicy stuff, Barry and I, and, and there's just, that relationship is such a complicated one that uh, it's, it's fun to come back to that. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned too, working on Legends this past season, uh, the interaction between, as I said, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet Barrowman and Neil McDonough and now you. The, the interaction, uh, the, the dynamic between the, the personalities that you are in real life to the personalities that you play on television are so extreme. Yeah. Uh, you know, Barrowman himself is a huge prankster and just a goofball. Oh, you think? Yeah. <laughs> My God. So I, I wonder, what's, what's it been like to work off of each other during that entire season of Legends? It was a real treat um, for a number of reasons. I mean, yeah, it, 
both John and Neil are, are so well versed in the Arrowverse, you know, I mean, they were huge sources of information for me, actually, um, uh, based on, you know, what they had already done. But they're, they're also two incredible pros. I mean, they show up on set, they are ready to go, they're ready to have fun doing it. Um, and I felt like the chemistry really worked. The way they set up the Legion of Doom in, in the second season um, really became, you know, a great driving force for, for the, the season as it came to an end. And the chemistry between the three of us and then the chemistry also between John and Neil, which was so, it was, it, it was like the evil Three Stooges, you know? I, mean, I was Mo, Neil was, was Larry, and I guess John was either Shemp or Corolla, depending on how you, how, you, how, view, how you view him. But it, uh, it, it was just a treat. And, and coming from something like The Flash, which like you said, is so thick with emotion. I mean, th that show is really a much more intimate show and, uh, and, and pretty deep. Going to something that adventurous and bawdy and just out there was uh, was fun, pure fun. I know um, earlier I was on stage with David Ramsey from Arrow and the timing was kind of bad because we haven't seen the finale yet of Arrow, but we also haven't seen the finale yet of Flash. I'm one of those people that I don't watch promos for upcoming episodes. I like to be surprised. Um, I know there are people that get so excited and I, I'm, I'm a hypocrite because I watched the promo for Arrow, but I didn't watch it for Flash on purpose. Some of the people in the audience might already know the answer to this. I personally don't, but are we He's going... shaking his head no. Oh, no spoilers? No, no, no. All right. All right, well, then, then there's my question. <laughs> so, I, well... Good I, catch. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it more broad then. Um, what would you like to see come... Wh where would you like to see the relationship between Barra, Barry and Nora go in future seasons of this show? Or at least iterations of Nora Allen because we've seen her as a, a physical form of the speed of the time speed force I say time force all the time and that's Power Rangers it's completely different <laughs> um, but what would you like to see more come out of that if anything well this might be left field but I was at a con once and somebody brought up the character Rose and Thorn do you guys know who that is uh, yeah. flaming red hair she's super badass she wears this green costume and black knee-high boots. Okay. So I thought it would be really cool. Well, this person had said they thought it would be really cool if Nora Allen became Rose and Thorn and fought Barry in another timeline. So well, I would like to do, Earth, yeah, in another Earth, Earth yeah. yeah. So leave Nora Allen for a little while, go do something sort of not Nora Allen, and then come back. Okay. That, that, <laughs> that's what I would like to see. Whether or not that will happen, I'm not sure. But. And, that's, and that's one of the reasons why I like The Flash, too, is because with the multiverse and time travel, yeah. anything is possible yeah. on these shows. Yeah. We, we've seen Reverse Flash die twice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I got you beat. So have I. <laughs> I got yeah. you beat. <laughs> and something tells me it's not going to be the last time we see, at least I hope, it's not going to be the last time we see Ebart. I hope so, too. Um, I mean, this whole thing was a, a big surprise from the get-go for me anyway, so I feel like it's all gravy from this point forward. Um, even last year, uh, before uh, being signed on to Legends, I didn't know until right about this time last year, they called up and they're like, yeah, we, we got this idea for you know, the second season of Legends. So it's sort of a gift that keeps on giving. I hope it does. Yeah, I, I was thinking maybe there's a, um, a timeline where... Um, uh, Eobard and Nora are actually Barry's parents. 
<laughs> so I'd be his stepfather, I guess. Right, right. Um, and, That's gonna be a rocky relationship to start off. With. Yeah, <laughs> so there's, there's already that. that grudge, but I don't kill you. No, so there's no, that. No. So, so there's I've no saved your life, violence. but I married you. Right, right. Um, it's gonna be a lot of counseling sessions. Anything to keep it juicy, you know. <laughs> that would be so interesting. I didn't even think about that. I know. That's well, isn't there isn't there a uh, isn't there a, a, a flash where Eobard actually marries Iris? Isn't that something that happens in one of the? Um, I'm not sure about not that. Sure Anybody about know that? Somebody told me about someone. That, where he? Uh, I, I'm just trying to man. Just pretend that there is, because I'm trying to manufacture. We're finding cool storylines for ourselves, so just go with it. Yeah. I'd like to see an alternate Earth, or one of the other Earths, where the roles are reversed, and Barry is actually the villain, and Eobard is the hero. I'd be all aboard that train. <laughs> I like that. So, I mean, again, it's with the with the multiverse and, and time travel and everything. There's so many different options for things that they can do with this show that you can go anywhere on this. Yeah, I mean, even uh, for anybody who's seen the uh, the f season finale of Legends, where I die again and disintegrate, and you, you, I am erased from existence, quote unquote. <laughs> If you think about it long enough, you realize there's uh, a bunch of places they could just yank me out. Yeah. <laughs> so there's all kinds of remnants and uh, other Earths and timelines that yeah. you can be pulled from. So. Um, is it always exciting when you guys get the phone call that you're being brought back? I would assume it is, because that, that cast is a pretty close-knit family. So to be included in it, I would imagine, is a, is a huge honor. Always, yeah. It's, 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 I love going there. It's kind of like going home a little bit, and it's... It's always exciting to get the scripts and you're, you know, racing through to see where your name is, which is what we do. Oh, where's Nora Allen? Ignoring everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, me. Oh, okay. Uh, me. Um, although I would, I have been wearing the same costume now for three years, except for Flashpoint. Uh, I've had the same Nora Allen costume every time I go to work. So like I wouldn't mind. Change. Yeah, I've never had another wardrobe fitting since the pilot. So. See, most dudes actually love that. It's like, oh, all I have to do is wear one and I'll fit. That's yeah. great. No more, no more fittings for me. Well, I think yours has basically just rotated between two different and outfits. This year it was, yeah. They gave me the black leather look for Legends, and I was like, wow, we're really getting exotic with the reverse flash. Um, I get the but, pink sweater, so that's <laughs> lucky you. Yeah. yeah. That could be a hint that uh, there's a possibility that reverse flash is also black flash. So in essence, you caught and cat, I mean, caught and cat, boom, yeah. caught and killed yourself. Maybe. I, you I, never know. I, you you know, just never know. You, you never know. You never know when you're gonna get that phone call. You really just kind of blew my mind. And there's a pink sweater waiting there. for you yeah. in your trailer. You yeah. Never know. Yeah. Eobard thought is Nora Allen. Is Nora Allen as the Black Flash? <laughs> Well, I mean, a, a prime example of like how you said you never know when, um, I, as I mentioned earlier, John Wesley Shipp had said that, um, you know, who's now Jay Garrick in the show, that was something they pitched to him in the very beginning and he had turned it down. He said, in essence, he wanted to be Barry's father because it was more personable, but then he grew to love the cast and the crew so much that he took on the mantle of Jay Garrick towards the end. So it, it, it's, it, it, um, it did come around and everything happens in, in a full circle. Uh, I want to know if, there, if anybody in the audience has any questions for uh, Matt or Michelle. You can put your hand up if anybody has any questions. Um, all right, you know what? I'll bring the mic to you.
thank you both for coming today. Um, my question is for Matt. Uh, one of my favorite abilities of the reverse flash is the when he like stabs people with his yeah. super speed. Phasing, when he phases. Phasing, that's the word. Um, I, was just I called it vibing at one point on Twitter and that. everybody got really pissed. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna call it. I was like, no. Because that's what we did call it, it was vibing and then Cisco became vibe and then it just all fell to hell in a handbasket. So. Yeah, I, I almost called it that, but okay. um, my question is how did they film that? Because that was always interesting look to it. Yeah, um, that's, that's all, uh, VFX. That's all. That's. Um, I mean, when you actually end up filming it, when you actually end up filming anything that's speedster related on set, you're really doing start-stop stuff. Um, so you're. If I'm if I'm about to phase somebody, I come up to them and I just you know put my hand at their chest and just hold it there, and then I have to step out so they get a clean plate without me in there, and then step back in and do whatever action I'm doing after the phasing is done, if that makes sense. And so they add the, the vibrating motion and everything else in later. Um, this applies for if you're, if you're running uh, at, 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 you know, at super speed or, or anything like that, it always interrupts the flow of the scene. So there's, there was a scene on Legends this season where I was stuck in a vault with John Barrowman and, and, and Neil McDonough. I don't mean to make that sound bad, stuck in a vault. It was a lovely. Uh, but in don't the middle that. <laughs> in the middle of the scene I had to run up and grab John by the throat. I think it was in the vault. Maybe it was in our office. But I run up and grab him by the throat and shove him against the wall. And it was a big intense scene. We we're going back and forth. And so we're sitting there yelling at each other and then the AD yells, Hold. And if you were actually to see the footage, it would be me slowly trudging across the room, him getting up on a box, me putting my hand up against his throat. <laughs> okay, start. And then you start the scene again. So, you know, technically it's, it's, it's really antithetical to what you want to be doing as an actor. You know, you want to start to develop flow in a scene. But, um, you know, it's the way you got to do it. And it ends up looking great, you know. However they put it together, it ends up looking great. Thank you. Is it, is it awkward? Turn the mic off. When you guys are doing the special effects on set, I'm going to switch. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, everybody. I should just keep using the wireless. I'll just keep using the wireless. It's fine. Um, is it awkward to, to do a lot of that? Because I'm going to assume it's, it's got to be, especially if you're doing something like the stop and starting, I can imagine. But if you're doing something where like Firestorm, where he's got to fly, it's literally you just doing this. Basically, and then there's nothing else to it. Yeah. Um, Does that get awkward at times? Totally, all the time. Yeah. You know who's got it down to a science is Grant. I mean, obviously he has to do it all the time, but he, he Grant is so professional. He takes everything so seriously. So really, for the effects, all you have to do is if you're taking off, running, you know, you just have to take a step, and then they say, "All right, hold," and then you walk off. You know. <laughs> And the first time I was going to do it, I was like, all right, like this. And Grant's like, no, no, that's not how speedsters run. That's not how run. <laughs> He's like, first of all, you have to alternate your limbs. So whatever foot is going forward, the other arm has to be going up. All right, that's the first thing. And the second thing is, if you're coming back into frame, you gotta, you know, you have to be coming from somewhere. So Graham is, he's so great. It doesn't, he gives his all every time. It's like, if he's coming back into a spot, and you'll see it on screen, it's just like, you know, he's just like all his energy is coming back into that spot, and um, 
if you give it that kind of performance, then it helps you stay in it, I think. But, um, um, you know, I had to learn it from the past in order to really be able to do it. Uh, Michelle, have you had to do anything awkward like that on set? I just lay on the floor <laughs> and die <laughs> repeatedly. Crying. Is that too and soon? there's some tears that usually come. Always crying. Yeah, I have a lot of crying on that show. That was a little too soon. And that's that not question. fake tears. <laughs> I will say my favorite effect shot that I did on The Flash was when uh, Grant and I were both in the Speed Force and we're running next to each other and one is kind of pulling ahead of the other and then they're, they're going back and forth. The way we actually ended up shooting that was taking a rope, tied one end to my back, tied the other end to Grant's back, and we just ran next to each other. Some dude, some grip is like 20 feet behind us holding the rope. And then he, he lets a little bit out for Grant so he can get ahead. And then he pulls him back in and lets a little bit out for me so I can get ahead. And there's a green screen behind us. And, so, and we're just sitting here doing this thing. You know? And, uh, it's like a leash. It's embarrassing for a number of reasons because you feel like, A, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just in one spot. Two, yeah, I'm, I'm on a leash. And three, I'm totally exhausted by the end of it. I'm completely winded. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? You're running in place and you can barely stand up. Uh, over the course of the shows, you know, whether it be Legends or you know, Flash, you've worked with a number of different directors. And I mentioned before, Kevin Smith is one that kind of stands out. Uh, with um, The Runaway Dinosaur. Uh, do you guys have any personal favorites of people that you have worked with or people that you would like to see come into the fold at some point to direct an episode to take the help? <clears throat> uh, directors? Yeah, sure. Um, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, Steven Spielberg would be great. <laughs> Stop by. Um, I know it's kind of an no, open-ended that's, Yeah, question. yeah, it's, it, but, but you're right. There, there, there are a lot more directors who are sort of quote-unquote name directors that are taking on uh, as episodic work at this point. Um, I'd have to think about that. Who is the guy who... This guy's one of my favorite directors. Of course, his name is flying out of my head right now. Children of Men. Did anybody see Children of Men? Nobody saw Children of Men? He did. You saw Children of Men. Thank Someone you. Someone get your phone out and Google that. Who directed Children of Men again? Quaron, yeah, Alfonso Quaron. Uh, he'd be my top choice. So everybody Google Alfonso Quaron and, and then now attack him on social media. <laughs> See Sweet to him to get him to come out. Yeah. I have a funny Kevin Smith story. Okay. So I, I will admit that I didn't, I wasn't exactly sure what, who Kevin Smith was and what he looked like before I met him. I knew, I knew who he was, but I couldn't, I couldn't pick him out of a crowd. So I show up to work in the morning and I'm getting a coffee and this guy with this big jersey comes out of one of the work trucks. And he goes, hey. I was like, hi. He goes, you need anything from me? And I thought he was like, do you need anything in your trailer? Do you need some water? Do you need, are you okay? And I was like, no, no, I'm good. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, something, who is that guy? I don't, like, who is that? He's just kind of like shuffling around set in his, you know, his jersey. And then it dawned on me, I'm like, oh. Shit, that's Kevin. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm good. So then I walked over to him, and then I, I didn't tell him. I didn't know who he was, but we, I had a conversation with him. But he's just so casual and so easygoing and kind of one of the, one of the team that he, um, yeah, I didn't know who he was. But he was lovely to work with and such a team player. And that cast, they loved him on that show. They love him. And he's gone back, as you know, a few times. Yeah, yeah, I know he's come back. I, I want to yeah. see, like, a... Uh... 
think it'd be interesting to do like an M Night Shyamalan mm. episode of The Flash. Yeah, it'd be completely off the wall and weird. <laughs> but hey, it's one of those. He's done television before, so we can see him see him come into the fold. Sometimes you got to get weird. That's right. Uh, out of everybody that we've seen appear on The Flash or Legends, I mean, there's so many other superheroes and villains that are out there. Are there any people that you would like to see show up on the show? Like anybody that you, you were a fan of growing up, or even if you don't, just from mainstream, uh, people that are in the films now that you would want to see. Are you talking about actors or characters? No, characters. You're talking about characters. characters. Okay, so DC characters. Um, well, I mean, my... Oh, this is like, you know, my... He's waving. <laughs> him, guy. we'd like to see um, him right there. You, you, you're hired. I, this is sort of pipe dreamy, you know, and, and they're already doing another show about him, but, um, I mean, Batman, the Batman is, is my personal favorite. Uh, in terms of the DC canon because of, well, for a number of reasons that I could go on and on about, but um, uh, his ultimate humanity in a world of metahumans, um, to me, would be an interesting contrast. But, you know, that's, yeah. that's just, that's, that's me. There's, uh, there's all kinds of much more interesting characters I'm sure I'm not thinking about. Yeah. Who do you guys want to see? Yeah. Oh, yes? Impulse? Impulse. Mar Allen. Bart. Oh, Bart, Bart Allen. Allen. Well, didn't we get kind of, we kind of got like a little tease of Bart Allen, what was it, last week, when he looked at his license and his name was Bartholomew. I'll go by Bart. Um, do anybody, anybody else in the audience have any questions? Because I can bring the mic back down and, all right, we got a couple more. I'll bring the mic around. Did you guys see her shirt? Karen's shirt? You gotta come up here, Karen, and show them. I'm gonna bring them up here because it's pretty great. Don't get close to me though, because I'm the wrong guy. Look at that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm gonna start marketing those. Do you have a question too? So I really like the Flash episode, the musical. So I was wondering if Nora Allen or Reverse Flash could sing a song in that episode. What would you have picked? Ooh. I actually tried to get a song in that. I do sing, and I tried to get them to put me in the musical episode. They did put me in it in the very beginning, but um, I think there were so many cast members that wanted to sing that they had yeah. to, like Tom Cavanaugh tried to, he played his guitar and sang a song, and they filmed it, but it didn't make it in. I think there was just too many, too many people that wanted to do it. What would I sing? I have no idea. Um, I'd have to think about that one. I'd want to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You would? <laughs> because Wearing it would shirt. be such a Wearing nice the red twist Nora Allen shirt. That. That's right. <laughs> I'll see you all somewhere over the rainbow <laughs> after I've phased your hearts out of your body. <laughs> you can raise your hands if, you have, if there's other people who have questions. Uh, this is from Matt. <clears throat> I was curious, in, in, the, in the first season, we get to know Tom Cavanaugh initially as the reverse Flash, you know, like in the H.R. Wells suit, I guess you could say. <laughs> and um, so, so by, like, by the time that you really take over, he's kind of already introduced the character in a lot of ways. 
So by that point, how do you how do you come in, and uh, what do you borrow from him, and what do you try to like distance from him in that same character? What did you do? Yeah, that's a, a great question because I think it was. I, I think in some ways it was uh, a difficult transition for the fans. I mean, not just from a logic standpoint, like wait, what? He's this guy now, but also because they become accustomed to an actor that they know and love playing this part um, so I didn't I didn't put too much I tried not to overthink it really you know because I knew this was going to be a reset for the character in a lot of ways uh, but I did watch the flash and try and take away just a few uh, basic elements from Tom's performance and, and think about those as I was approaching the character I mean, Tom, early on, there was a, there was a, there was, um, there was something about his, you know, he's such a brilliant, brilliant performer on so many levels, um, and I've worked with him before in other things, but in this he was very, there was a terseness and uh, a, a containment to um, his emotions that I felt was important in terms of like, even just the pacing of the dialogue, tonally, how he sounded. He was very, tended to be, for the most part, very even keeled. You'd see him get a little more gregarious at, at, at points, but fairly stony, you know? I mean, there was something about him that was, that was, um, that w there was a menace lurking, you know? And so I wanted to try and embrace that a little bit more and lean on that. But I didn't want to try and impersonate whatever he was doing because, you know, that would just be a mistake. So I counted on the audience to sort of come along for the ride and just say, okay, now we know this is the guy who's really playing him. And yeah, he was wearing a, a Harrison Wells suit, which is creepy and hilarious. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I did, and, and you know, to to the show and the, and the fans' credit, I think uh, I think they went with it, you know, over time. They, they bought it. All right, other questions? Hi, thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure watching you guys talk. Um, my question is for Matt. With, uh, with your transition from The Flash to Legends of Tomorrow, we kind of got to see uh, reverse Flash open up with his personality a little bit. Um, I wanted to know how much of that was from your input as opposed to from the writers. Like, how much of Matt is in Reverse Flash and Legends as opposed to the Flash? It was more my input than um, <clears throat> than the writer. I mean, first of all, the two shows tonally are very different. I think I already talked about that. The, the, the Flash is... Um, much more about a uh, much more emotional, intimate kind of family show. Legends is like Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, body, adventurous, um, crazy. The the conditions of of the Reverse Flash's existence in the two shows are very different too. And on Legends, he knows right away, he's there because he knows Black Flash is after him, you know, from the get go. So there's this urgency to that character that may not be as apparent in the first one, or in The Flash. Um, that being said, when you're thrown into scenes with McDonough and Barrowman and this Legion of Doom setup, um, you, you wind up falling into these rhythms and you wind up, yeah, maybe um, 
good rhythms, I mean, you know, sort of, you find the comedy and stuff that you may not have thought of before in another setting. Um, so, there was an adjustment to be made moving from one show to the other, and I, I tend to, I tend to just get, use a lot of what I'm getting from other actors, like, I don't go in necessarily with big ideas about, alright, so on Legends, the, you know, reverse flash is going to be extra funny and, you know, mean or whatever. I, I try and take what I'm getting from the people I'm working with and contribute to that, add to that, you know, find the back and forth that makes these characters then more human and more appealing. Um, and they just wrote some good stuff for me, too, on Legends. I mean, uh, in, in the second season, the, the you know, Moonshot, the episode where I go to the moon with Ray Palmer. There's some great stuff in there that they wrote where it, I think gave you a different kind of window into Eobard Thawne's dark and twisted soul. Um, so, you know, uh, a lot of it is writing, but some of it is, is just showing up and being ready to play and see where that takes you. So much of it's just kind of lightning in a bottle. It's like, what, what do you find once you start playing? Thank you. My question is for Michelle. I'm wondering how many times have you had to film that death scene? I think we uh, have decided it's seven or eight now. And it's not stock footage. We're reshooting that scene mostly, not all the pieces of it, every time. So most of the times you've seen it, most, not all. I myself have shot that scene at least two or three times. Yeah, we have done it and repeatedly in the same room, the same thing. But actually, it's really interesting as an actor, it's, it's challenging to, to repeat the scene in a new and refreshing way, also following the blocking that you've done before. So it's actually, it's actually a good actor challenge to do that, to try to find that again, after having not been there for a couple of months and doing other things. So yeah, seven, I think. <laughs> it's got to be a record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, over to this side here. Piggybacking off that question, um, what's it like working with Grant? Do you guys get any happy moments, like on set, or is it like, like He's awesome. in your zone? You know, not like that, but like you guys cry every time you see each other. Is it like a Debbie Donner, like hi Grant, let's cry today? <laughs> no, um, I would say the first little while working with Grant, because the scenes were so intense. It, it was a very intense set because we're both focused on what we have to do and over time we've developed a friendship and um, you guys know that he's engaged or right that's okay mm -hmm. um, my the last time that I saw him he was telling me all about how he was going to propose to his soon-to-be wife and it's very sweet so it's I think it just depends on what's happening in the scene kind of where we're at some days or more you know oops Grant's gonna be engaged yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it, a lot of it depends on what's happening in the scene and what you're shooting. He, I, yeah, I would say that you know working with him is uh, is usually the highlight of my. I, I love working with everybody on that show, but Grant is pretty special. I mean, yeah. he, he is uh, for for such a young actor. He has uh, got a real depth of talent and the work ethic to match. I mean, he shows up ready to work and ready to play and ready time. to go every single day. And you wouldn't believe the hours that that guy works. Yeah. I mean, probably more so, I mean, Stephen Amell maybe matches him, but um, 
as much as anybody in the DC TV universe. He, he is working nonstop, and I've never seen him drop the ball, not once. So I always, instead of being sad or when I see him or, or feeling extra evil or something like that, it's like I get excited. I, I'm excited for my grant days because I know that we're going to find stuff. I know that we're going to play. I know we're going to um, add some new layer to this relationship that we've been building for a few seasons. So. Yeah, that's a good answer. Thanks. <laughs> All right, I have another question here in the back. Hi, I'm like honored to meet you because I'm a huge fan of both of you. So my question is for both of you. Uh, if you could choose to be any other character on the show, The Flash or Legends of Tomorrow, who would you want to be? Ooh. Flash or Legends of Tomorrow? I'm gonna say Killer Frost. Because <laughs> I think she's really, I just... And I, it's, you already know my answer, it's the Batman. I mean, uh, the, the, um, what makes that character for me the most special is, um, and it's really, it's that, that you, you have so much backstory with Batman. You have so much uh, rich history to work with. And also the fact that he's just a guy, really. He's a guy that uses technology and intelligence and um, other things to elevate himself to this level of, superhero but in reality he's a dude who just really wants to fight crime um it's i like that kind of separation from the the metahuman world um it also one i don't know if you guys ever feel this way but one thing about about watching shows about superheroes and speedster shows are, are kind of the prime example of this is like really if if Eobard Thawne wanted to kill everybody all at once, he really could. I mean, that's because that's it. He's that fast. He could just kill, every, he'd just be done, you know? Like, why have any scenes? Just just kill everybody. Just do the thing. Just You're done. And so you start to think, you know, what, what's he waiting for? And, and you come up with reasons, you know? There's reasons why he doesn't. There's things he needs. There are things about him that are still human. But when you have these powers that are so overpowering, uh, like Superman, whatever. Okay, so we need something to stop him, Kryptonite. So there's a rock that stops Superman. Uh, there's something about Batman and his inherent vulnerability still that he always carries with him. That uh, And that vulnerability is both physical and psychological. Um, I just, it's like the Hamlet. It's like the Hamlet of, um, of comic book characters, I think. Am I talking too much? No, that was okay. another great answer. All right. Yeah. All right, I think we have time. Be 10 points. I think we have time for one more from the audience if anybody else has a question. Uh, we're going to go towards the back. We'll see if maybe we can fit in two. I'm not as fast as the Flash. I got to run. I think we had a couple other people in the front, too. You can put your hands up. You can ask us later if you want. You change your mind. Absolutely. We'll go right over here. I was wondering, is there any fun pranks or bloopers that you guys remember, or is the set completely serious most of the time? <laughs> what can I tell? What can I tell? No. <laughs> 
I don't really get to work with a lot of the cast. I usually only get to work with Grant and Little Barry for the most part, so I can't say that. Um, I have worked with the full cast, and I can't say anymore. <laughs> um, no, I don't have any because most of my scenes are in the house with just a few of the cast members, so I miss all those fun moments. Do you have any over there? Uh, I mean, the bloopers are kind of endless. Yeah. Um, there was one fun... <laughs> was, uh, I have to remember exactly how it... Um, I was... Uh, I was in a scene with, it was Neil and John, who are always ready to go off at any moment. Um, but there was, uh, it, it was a big argument about something, and, and there was flow to this scene, you know, it was leading up to something, and it was, it was pretty hot. And at one point I mentioned the legends, and I talked about the, you know, the legends and how they're, you know, what they're going to do. And instead of saying the legends, for whatever reason, you know, I, I said something like, the Avengers are going to come in and kill us all. <laughs> and everybody stopped, and I was like, ah, scratch that. Burn that film right now. So, yeah, I got my universes mixed up for a second. That's how you get fired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have one final question from myself to wrap everything up. Do you guys get to sit back and watch these episodes as fans, like the finished products as they air or, you know, as they appear on Netflix or wherever they're going to be. And if so, do you have any favorite episodes of the shows that you are not a part of? Any that stand out as a favorite of yours that you were not involved with? I love, I love, love, I mean, I'm part of the musical episode, but just in the beginning, I loved the musical episode. I loved seeing people do something that they haven't normally done on that show, and the singing and the dancing, and I thought everyone just brought it in that episode. Um, and I love HR. I, uh, he, I'm a big fan of Kavanaugh. I and am too. He's, HR was one of those personalities of Kavanaugh because he, he has played so many different characters on that show, but it's yeah. all, in essence, the same person. Yeah. And HR was the one that I thought I was not going to like, and he grew on me so He's fast. He's so endearing. I just it's, yeah. ended up enjoying it. Yeah. Matt, how about you? Um, you know, one of my favorite episodes, which I think was kind of a controversial episode and I forget if this was Kevin Smith's first episode was the one where uh, Barry where the Speed Force became a character right where Barry and do you remember the episode I'm talking about that was the runaway dinosaur that's yeah. runaway dinosaur thank mm -hmm. you yeah that um, and you said that was one of your favorites that, that was, actually is probably my favorite of the series I remember so watching that episode and being semi blown away by the risk that they took you know just that jump that they took and I loved I loved Grant's performance in that episode. I loved what everybody brought to that episode. I loved the pace of it. I, I, it just was such a departure for the show at the time. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, the sequence in Harry Potter and uh, where uh, where Harry dies and he sees Dumbledore and whatever afterworld they're in and there's the everybody know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like. It's like I started feeling those same feels for for Barry in that in that in that episode, and um, I remember I remember at the end of that, thinking, "Wow, that was 
that wasn't just a good episode of The Flash. That was like an, that was a that was a work of art. Like that was they they took a risk. They went out there, and for me anyway, it really paid off. Yeah, I mean, and a huge testament to the entire cast, yourself included, Michelle and, and Candace Patton and Grant and uh, and Joe. Why am I blanking on his name? Jesse, Jesse, oh, that's it. Um, who is somebody I'd love to meet one day too. But I mean, I also the Kevin Smith's directed in the same point. That was. Yeah. Again, that's one of the reasons why that's one of my personal favorites, too. Uh, but we are out of time. I want everybody to make some noise. Thank you, Michelle and Matt, for joining us, everybody. Be sure you go on downstairs, stop by, and see them at the tables.